Finley Capital Podcast. My name is Logan Ricchetti. As always, this podcast is sponsored by the Hard Money Handbook. You can go to www.hardmoneyhandbook.com to download a free report to learn how to use hard money loans to fund your real estate deals. Also brought to you by the Facebook group Powered by Private. You can go to the group on Facebook to learn about using private loans or hard money loans to fund your deals. Or if you want to learn how to deploy your own private capital into hard money loans, private loans, that's the group that you want to be in, powered by private on Facebook. All right, today I got a buddy of mine coming in hot from Orlando, Florida, freshly moved down away from this awful Michigan weather. He's made the wise financial investment to move south because he's got a brain and he doesn't want to be cold in the middle of June like I am today. And uh, he's a good friend of mine. We've done a couple of real estate transactions together. He is the cash flow cowboy. His name is Justin and his last name is... Warziniak. Warziniak. And I was going to do that myself, but I forgot how to pronounce it in the last 10 seconds because that's a tough one. I got a tough one. Ricketti's a tough one, but Warziniak. Warziniak? Warziniak. All right. You've been dealing with that your whole life, haven't you? Yes. Justin, thanks for joining me on the show. I want to talk about your real estate investing strategies, your approach to real estate investing, transactional funding, syndications, uh, remote investing, investing in Indiana, what your are uh, Indiana, right? Indiana. Indianapolis uh, is our main market. Yep. That's right. Indianapolis. And then also now what your plan is going to be now that you're in Orlando, how you plan to uh, move into the future. So quick background, tell us about how you became the cash flow cowboy. Believe it or not, my background is mechanical engineer. So I, uh, I went to the university uh, Florida State University, actually down, I grew up in Orlando, which was nice. So I grew up in sunshine. And quickly, I realized that I was not someone who wanted to do engineering for the rest of my life. And the reason I figured this out was I think a lot of people see this in their job, whether they're, you know, I, I did it two years into my job is when I left and started doing real estate full time. Some people, you could be 20, 30, 40 years into your job, and you still have the same feeling of, you're looking at retirement and things just don't add up under the conventional like 401k system or maybe, you know, pension program or whatever it may, may be. You're like, hey, I'm, I'm just working nonstop for my entire life. And then maybe at the end, I get to enjoy it. Maybe that lasts like five, 10% of my life, I get to enjoy it. I didn't want to do that. Obviously, I wanted to enjoy much more of it. And I realized that under the W-2 job, even though I had a nice, solid, secure engineering, great salary job, I realized it still wasn't enough to provide me with that financial freedom, freedom of time that I wanted to be able to enjoy my 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, you name it, and really get to spend that doing what I want, which is traveling with family, with friends, um, and not necessarily, you know, behind a desk or something like that. Did, you know, four or five years of an engineering degree and then did two years of corporate America before I realized, hey, I'm going to transition. I'm going to start uh, buying real estate. So first year, I brokered a bunch of deals as a realtor, learned the ropes. After one year, I was like, right, I got the hang of this investment stuff. I'm going to stop helping these people make, you know, long-term wealth. I want to start doing it myself. And, uh, you know, 2021, beginning of 2021, I made a commitment to start buying multifamily, so apartment building assets. And uh, in the last two and a half years now, we've done 
you know, eight or so multifamily transactions, five of which we've kept. We've wholesaled some. You mentioned transactional funding. We use transactional funding for those wholesale deals. Um, and then we've, we're just slowly scaling. All of ours have been off-market deals as well, which is a huge component of our business. You know, my goal, I'm 28 now. The goal is uh, 300 apartment building units by 30 years old. And we are on a nice... A hot trajectory to get there. Our investment markets are Indianapolis. We have one apartment in Michigan, and then we're branching into Cincinnati as well. And that is why I am the cash flow cowboy, because those Midwest markets are fantastic for cash flow. Now that I've moved to Orlando, I might be the cash flow and appreciation <laughs> uh, cowboy, but we'll see what happens on uh, as we venture into this market as well. All right, a couple of things I want to hit after that conversation. Number one, I want to go back, if you don't mind discussing the transactional funding deal that we did in Michigan. And then I want to talk a little bit about how you plan to grow into 300 units in terms of the capital stack and the way you're going to finance and, and uh, facilitate all these deals. So let's go back to the transactional deal that we did. Walk us through that one and how you made your decisions, how I helped a little bit, and then what the, the ultimate end goal was. And the outcome. Let's talk money. Uh, probably one of my favorite parts about the real estate side, because you need the money to get anything done. That particular deal, that was one of a few times I've done this exact structure. And I highly recommend for anyone listening out there that does uh, a wholesale transaction where you're going to make you as the wholesaler, the, in, the person in the middle is going to make more than I'd say $5,000 on that investment on that transaction, excuse me, do it as a double close and utilize someone like Logan and Finley Capital for that middleman as transactional lending. And how this, this works, just real simply put, is I go to buy an apartment building or an asset from someone else. And so the seller is, is A, I am B. The same day we go, I go buy that building, I go sell it to someone else. So I have a C, there's a C component there. And now the reason that transactional funding is very important for me in this situation is because I am more than happy to pay Logan some points and some fees to bring all the money that I need for that A to B transaction. So then I can go sell it you know, a few hours later that same day, right? And I can make a profit between you know, what I'm buying it for and what I'm selling it for that day. And the beautiful thing is about doing the two transactions. Seller doesn't know how much I'm making. The end buyer doesn't know how much I'm making. So, you know, we all agree on prices and everything. And there's this weird thing with the human, how humans work. Whereas if they, they know that you're now making more money, then somehow out of nowhere, they're no longer happy with the deal that you just agreed on that they were happy with five minutes ago, right? So I try to avoid that separate transactions and then we'll utilize someone like Logan in the middle to help finance the initial transaction so it all goes smoothly. You ever heard that concept, uh, locks keep honest people honest? Transactional funding keeps happy sellers happy. How about that? <laughs> I like that. It's just a way to maintain you know, the integrity of each transaction without e either of the other parties finding out you know, what your, what your gain is on either side, where, like you said, it doesn't really affect them, but the human nature, the psychology of, of people can be offended if they find out that you, you know, you're selling them a, a property that you paid more for it a couple of minutes ago, which is ironic, but it, it, it also makes sense. So transactional funding has its place for a real estate investor like you, that's, that's trying to broker some quick transactions that maybe a deal that they don't want to hold long term, but 
you know, you can help a buyer, a seller out of a jam, and then you can help a buyer that, that has future plans to renovate or improve that property. It's a win-win-win situation. That's why I like doing these as, a, as the lender. Um, but it, it's just an interesting dynamic. So that was a good one. We've done a couple like that. I have one in my inbox right now that I'm going to do. I like doing transactional funding as long as I trust the, uh, the buyer and I trust the title company. And, and there's a very clear expectation of how it's going to go. It's an easy transaction to do. But more importantly, you're not going to get to 300 units without a debt and a capital stack plan. So how do you finance these deals? Is it a matter of, you know, seller financing? Is it bank financing, private lenders, syndications? How do you do it? any way possible, but there's a few that we've kind of focused on, right? And even Logan, I'll touch on this later, there's us having our conversation at the last Michigan meetup is you've even got me thinking about maybe I could start funding these a little different to get more of that equity. But what we've been doing historically is, like I mentioned, I was an engineer, so I had a great salary, saved up a nice nest egg, and then made the transition into real estate. And on the first deal, nest egg gone, right? It was like, okay, traditionally people would be like, all right, I just used all my money. Now let me go work till I save up enough for another down payment and go do it again. But for me, I wanted to scale quickly. And it's that's not possible to you know just wait around and, and wait to save up enough money for the next property. So what we've done is a lot of times we go and my job, my value to a partnership is I go and I find deals, I underwrite them, make sure they're good, you know, I put together the team to buy them. And a lot of times that team consists of capital partners. I will give up a portion of the equity in the deal so that they will bring money. You know, I bring the deal, they bring the money, we work together in some sort of equity split there. That's great for me because, you know, I can't get the deal done without them, but I'm also giving up large chunks of equity to do that. I still am usually the, the managing member on all these LLCs. So I still have the control but not necessarily all, you know, all, all that ownership percent. If you think about it, I would like to get to 300 units by 30 and those 300 units, I'd like a large chunk of ownership in those because then it doesn't really matter, right? I can go be a limited partner on a 300 unit syndication tomorrow and own 1% of, you know, 300 units. That, that's not moving the needle for my net worth and my liquidity, right? What I wanted to do is, after our conversation is try out, hey, what does it look like to go get some, you know, some sort of uh, funding with, you know, through Finley Capital or something like that, so that upfront, I can pay an interest rate on that on that money, rather than giving up equity on that money, right? And then that way, I, I have a much larger chunk of these deals, and then, you know, refinance sale later on, and that can work out the, the capital stack type situation there after we've increased the value. That's what I'm looking to do. But in the past, I've done local community banks, right, Logan? We, I love my local community banks where, you know, they'll finance a portion of the renovations and the acquisition. But usually we're now having to do it based off their rules. It kind of limits my exit strategies and stuff like that. You know, th this is how we've done it in the past, but there's definitely other ways out there um, for financing deals. And that's why I'm really happy that we've connected so much in the past because they're you're giving me this, this new insight on keeping as much of these deals as possible as I scale quickly. Well, here's the thing about that. I'm in some syndications. You're probably in some syndications. I could tell somebody that I own 300 units, but, but the truth is I own 1% of 300 units. So to your point, you want to own a lot of doors, but you want to own as much of that equity in those doors as possible. Because owning, you know, owning one percent of three hundred units might be less than owning hundred percent of ten units. You know, exactly. it, it all it all depends. 
if you're if you're looking at buying a, a multifamily 12 18 24 unit whatever even a four unit you know if it's just a buy and hold and it's a good shape and you're just trying to acquire units you don't really need a private lender you just need to go either raise your own capital for your for your equity by selling out partnership interests or you know obviously earning your own and using your own but when it's a burr situation where you can buy it cheap renovate it and then refinance it which that's the ideal way to do it for a guy with limited capital like all of us, because then you can do that over and over again using your same you know, initial nest egg. That's where a private lender can come in and replace those equity partners. And what happens is you as the investor might pay a little bit of higher interest at the beginning, a little bit of higher fees at the beginning, but you're saving, you're protecting that equity for your next 30, 40 years. Right. So over the course of your lifetime, you're 28, you're going to be 68 at some point. Right. So at some point, 40 years down the road, you're either going to own 8% of these units or you're going to own 80% of these units or 100% of these units. And as those, as that principal pays down, as the appreciation happens, as all the wonderful magic of real estate investing occurs over the long term, you want to benefit from as much of that as possible. And so that's why I like the conversation that we're having. And, and in certain circumstances, this is something I can help, a private lender can help with. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. But Anything that you can do to preserve as much of the equity in your transaction as possible, uh, your grandkids are going to appreciate that. Exactly. And a lot of the deals that we're doing are off-market, direct-to-seller deals. So what that presents is usually pretty massive discounts on acquisitions, right? And the reason you know we're able to get massive discounts is one that we're we're going directly with them. But like the number two is that sometimes it's they've owned them for long periods of time, so it's very I don't want to say mismanaged, but very undermanaged operationally. And sometimes they actually need quite a bit of work to get them. You know, they they might have been renovated 25 years ago, so they're super out of date. And if you want to get market rents, you need to be putting a decent chunk of money. And that situation makes a lot of sense because it's almost like, you know, you're flipping a house, right? You get it at a super low amount, you use the private uh, private lending for it. You get it at a low dollar amount, you put in the renovations, now it's worth a lot more, Right. We're doing that just with apartment buildings, right? So we're getting it at a low low price per unit, right? We're renovating it. We're increasing the income significantly. And uh, multifamily is tied to the, the, the value is tied to performance of the asset. So if we improve the performance a huge, huge amount, then you're seeing our, our value is, is skyrocketing as well. In this situation, we'd have private money for that, for the renovations. Then we go ahead and exit through refinance. Justin, tell me about the cash flow cowboy. I know that's kind of a um, kind of like your your image, your brand, your you know your fun marketing. What is the what is the point behind the cash flow cowboy? Marketing yourself that way, talking about real estate. What is your objective in uh, putting that cowboy hat on? It's a funny story because it started out as kind of like a joke, right? I mean, it it sounds funny, right? Cash flow cowboy, whatever. It was it was catchy the double-edged sword there is because it was catchy and I started putting out content through social media and stuff like that, people started, you know, at least, you know, latching onto that brand. And so it became something, but the important thing is who was latching on, who was actually watching videos. And it was, like I mentioned, I came from engineering into real estate and I, I truly feel like I found something very significant as far as financial freedom your future, even if you're, you know, you have a W-2 job, I think you need, like everybody needs a real estate side hustle because it's going to provide for them in the future. It's, it's wealth building over the long term, right? We're not doing any get rich quick type stuff. And so I, I, 
I stumbled into this. I got so lucky that I was around the right people, the right time. This wasn't taught through at your educational system, right? Nobody, nobody talks about this. Um, and I came from parents that were, my dad was an engineer. His dad was an engineer. My mom was on the, in the medical side as a physical therapist. So they were just, all they were telling me was go get a job, go get a job, safe, secure job. So once I found real estate and I was like, wow, this is an amazing vehicle for us to build passive, passive uh, wealth. Then I'm like, all right, I wear a cowboy hat and the other engineers or, you know, doctors in my network or med students in my network or, you know, maybe someone who owns a small business, something like that is now watching my video just because I have a cowboy hat on. Okay, mission accomplished, right? Now I'm, you know, I'm encouraging more people to get, make that, that step um, towards real estate. So um, at first it was a joke, but the Cashflow Cowboy just kind of stayed there as the brand that I lean into because it's having the outcomes that I want. I think the biggest takeaway from this conversation today is what you just said. Everybody needs real estate as a side hustle. Real estate should be part of everybody's business portfolio. And you don't have to quit your job. If you're an engineer, if you're a doctor, if you're a scientist, if you're a teacher, if you're a fireman, I'm not saying you have to quit your job. But what you should think about is talking to somebody like me or talking to somebody like Justin and saying, Justin, I see you're a full-time professional real estate operator. What opportunities do you have for me? Logan, I see you lend private capital. What opportunities do you have for me? Because if you're not going to be in real estate as a career, you need a buddy like the cash flow cowboy or the, you know, the hard money hacksaw or whatever. <laughs> you need somebody to help you to deploy capital, help you to build equity, help you to get returns. And people, there are people out there like us who know how to do it. I was in a conversation, I was in a Facebook thread this morning and you know, I try to stay out of those, but I just couldn't help myself because one of my investors, one of my borrowers was having a conversation, well, he made a post and he said, I want, you know, I got this investment opportunity. I need some people to, you know, throw some cash in with me and here's what I'm willing to give them and here's how long it'll take. And you know, I know the guy, I've done deals with the guy. I know he's a great operator and whoever he gets to take that deal is going to do a great job and they're going to get a good return because he's going to do a good job. But everybody on his feed was just lambasting him, telling him, this sounds like a scam. This, this must not be good. You must be desperate. You must have no money. And it was just such a negative mindset across the entire feed. That's why I had to hop in there. I just said, Hey, Hey, Philip, you know, I got you because I believe in you and I know you can do a great job. Yeah, us, so, us, yeah, we gotta we gotta cover each other's backs because you're told yeah. there's so much negativity around real estate sometimes that it drives me nuts. Uh, there's so much negativity in general, pessimism in general about investment opportunities, and I think part of that's because there are scams, there are madoffs, there are bad operators, there are bad actors. But the truth is, you know, there's also some good ones. There's also some good actors. There's also some good operators. There's also some people who work their butt off 24-7 to create investment opportunities and real estate opportunities. And I would just love it if more people would open their mind and, and be a little bit more, you know, less judgmental about what these opportunities are and actually come in and sit down and look at them. You know, when I make a loan to Justin, that loan is safe. Justin knows what he's doing and he's going to exit that loan with his clearly defined exit strategy. So it's going to be a short-term loan. It's going to be mitigated risk with a professional operator who I already know, who I already trust, who's already proven his ability to execute on his operating plan. Okay. Well, guess what? Justin can't do that deal without capital. I can't loan Justin on that deal without capital. That seller can't sell that property. That property can't add value. Those tenants can't have a better unit. All the things that happen through Justin's expertise and Justin's action can't happen without capital. 
Capital is the lifeblood of real estate. And if you're not going to be an operator, be an investor. Go find good operators, go underwrite, analyze some deals and get in the game because your future depends on it. If you're just going to, like, like Justin said at the beginning of this, if you're just going to have a W-2 for 30 or 40 years, great. You're, you're going to have retirement. You're going to have some things. But if you don't take any incremental risks along the way, then you're not going to grow to any kind of financial independence or you're not going to have the fullest financial life that you could have if you took some shots along the way. And that's why I do this podcast. And that's why Justin puts the cowboy hat on because we're trying to incentivize people to come in with us and help us grow and enjoy some of the fruits of the labor. Yeah, there's right. two powerful things there, Logan. It's like one is um, link up with good people, right? They know they're, they're the ones that are doing it every day. Like that's who you need to be investing. You need to be investing obviously in good deals, but you need to be investing in good people, right? And anyone, anyone caution out there, anyone that is like, I, I have this real estate deal. Like a, if they, if they come across as a get rich quick, like run away, we're not, we're not in this industry for, for 90 days from now. We're in this industry for the long haul, right? The, the build extreme, extreme wealth over time right? Because that's what real estate provides you, like the compounding aspects of it. So if anyone's, you know, doing the, the, the get rich quick stuff, like run away, that's not who you need to be investing with. You need to be investing with people that understand this is a, this is a wealth building over time. And the second thing is the negativity around real estate. And I, I guarantee if a lot of people listening, right, that negativity for them might've started in, in, in their own family unit, right? So what happens is Uncle Al, or Uncle Eddie, whatever, has no business being in real estate, goes and tries to do one of these get rich quick stuff, has a bad experience, and then tells every single person that he knows, stay away from real estate, real estate is bad, you shouldn't do this, yada, yada, yada. And um, fundamentally, he shouldn't even have been in, in trying to do that, that type of asset himself, because there wasn't the education, right? And so as a result, there's this like negativity that's spread across multiple people. And what it is, it's a fear of the unknown. You would be surprised at how much time and effort and, and, and hours into understanding what we are doing, market-wise, capital-wise, what's a good deal look like, what is, you know, how to find how to find deals, all this stuff that goes into being an expert in your field. We put that effort in. And that's why it's great because you find someone like Logan, you find someone like me, and maybe you're an expert in your W2. You're you're the best scientist in your company. We're not telling you to go now change, stop everything you're doing and go learn how to do real estate. That's like a totally, it's like becoming the best scientist in a different company type thing. No, you can still do your W-2. Just make sure you're being smart about what your retirement's going to look like and try to get more real estate in that retirement plan because it will show much better returns over the long haul than your, you know, your 401k program. There's a reason why the U.S. has has decided to stop doing pensions and now they're doing, you know, they're turning it over to you as, as the worker and the 401k program is because they understand that if you are in charge of your financial future, you're just going to keep working, 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 working nonstop. And then eventually you might have some left over in retirement. But if you want something better, I think a lot of people do, right? If you're listening to this podcast, I think you want something better, right? Just take a look at real estate, at least some sort of your portfolio because you're going to be extremely happy at what the numbers show. Justin, where can people follow you on social media for the Cashflow Cowboy? Good stuff. Instagram's great uh, at Cashflow Cowboy. Um, at Justin Warziniak on Facebook's good too. 
LinkedIn, some of the social media gets there, but usually Instagram and Facebook are the two spots. And then, you know, obviously through my website, cashcre.com, trying to stay on brand. I'm not sure how many people are really interested in direct to seller, but we set up direct to seller businesses for people all over the country and their markets so that it can start finding off market deals. That is uh, nostressdts.com. Nostressdts.com, uh, cashcre.com, and Instagram and Facebook at Cashflow Cowboy. I'm not even going to try to do that last name again, but <laughs> thanks for coming on and um, have fun down in Orlando. Appreciate it, Logan. Go get them. <laughs>